You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Welcome to another edition of The Essential Apple. And uh, this week, I am joined by the wonderful Carolina Milanese. Hello, Caro. How are you? Hi. How are you? It's been a while. Yes, it has. Well, we've tried a couple of times and things have not lined up for one reason or another. But I know. there you go. Never mind. Never mind. You're here now. And uh, as we just said before the show, uh, quite a week, really. Apple have hit a tr- three trillion with a T. Uh, market cap, which, I don't know, does it really mean anything? I'm not sure it does, really, does it? What do you think? I think it does in terms only of looking at the opportunity the company has um, for the future and as well how at a time where everybody uh, is struggling economically um, to continue the growth of a so during the pandemic, um, you know, Apple is, seems to be on a streak and, you know, they did well during the pandemic. They didn't suffer as much as other companies from a supply chain perspective. They continue to do well. And obviously we're fresh out of WWDC, um, seeing the opportunity that they have in front of them with uh, Vision Pro and, and the Mac in the shorter term. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, you know, I think obviously, you know, the bigger your market cap, technically the better whether it makes a huge difference on the ground I'm, I'm you know I'm never really 100% convinced by that but it's obviously um, a sign of um, faith if you like by those who uh, yeah. you know, have money to put in yeah that, um, I, Apple's not losing their mojo or whatever I agree with you I mean obviously there's a lot of marketing that is going to be spin off uh, from from that right um, but yeah, I think is is one of the many signals, right, to see where the company is at. And exactly to your point, you know, for the doubters, um, you know, uh, um, as a proof point that things aren't so bad. Yeah, exactly. Um, as we usually say when the quarterly results come in, uh, you know, Apple, <laughs> Apple seem to have done all right, you know. <laughs> all right, yeah. <laughs> they seem to have done all right that, you know, they're not going to be uh, – Searching the cushions for small change anytime soon. So there you go. I mean, obviously, you mentioned the Vision Pro. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, uh, I saw you are one of the esteemed few, I believe, who's actually had a go with the uh, pre-production uh, device. So obviously, one of the first things I'm going to ask you is, what was it like? Well, I can tell you it did not feel like pre-production. Um, you know, if they wanted to ship it tomorrow, they could. Uh, it was, I spent about 25 minutes, half an hour with it, having different experiences in a room. Um, they, it was interesting because a very Apple uh, style, they actually built a, a new demo area in um, on their campus to try out this thing. Um, like who builds a building, right? <laughs> to just do demos is just unbelievable. Um, but I think that's one of the the pluses of being on campus and having that flexibility. 
with uh, with the space that you're in, right, versus being somewhere else. But the experience was interesting because, as others commented, it wasn't necessarily that I tried, um, and maybe I, sh- I should start with saying to the listeners that I am not a VR fan. So what I'm saying comes from somebody who's a bit of a skeptic. Um, you know, I don't spend a long time with it. Um, it does make me really tired. It seems like both my eyes and my brain are working so hard to enjoy those, you know, 20 minutes. So this is where I came in trying this thing. That's and um, I, I, was, um, I, I was actually blown away by how clear all the images were to the point where one of the uh, experiences I had was actually uh, firing up a, a, a Safari page and being able to read whatever it is that I was reading. I can't remember. It was an article. I never done that before in VR. You know, sometimes I barely can read the instructions to a game that I'm playing because the quality of the image is just not so clear. But you know, it's the the pixel count is so high that makes everything very. Uh, crisp for you. The other thing that I really appreciated was how, although you are fully immersed, you can you can go from AR to VR, right? So everybody knows that that you can see the environment you're in, or you can literally dial up uh, the the dial that you have on the headset and be fully immersed in your in your VR experience. But what I really appreciated was that you never disconnected from the world. And so when you are fully immersed, say you walk up to me and start talking to me, well, the experience changes and I can start seeing you and you can start seeing my eyes through the visor. And I think that that's really important because first of all, frees up a little bit of the spaces where you can do this. Um, maybe you don't always have to do it in your office or your home, right? You can do it in an environment that is maybe a bit less private, uh, but it also makes sure that you are not disconnected from what is going on around you, um, which also means that I did not have to set up my perimeter as I do with any other mm. VR headset, um, yeah. which lowers you know, your, your barrier of entry or you know, your learning curve, whatever you, you want to call it. That's good. That's good. I um, mean, d- I, yeah. yeah, go on. I was just going to say, I mean, that kind of echoes what John Gruber said, because he said he's not a huge VR fan, and yet mm. he was, you know, famous, famously verbose as he can be. You know, he came out and said that he was practically speechless. Um, uh, yeah, it wasn't anything new, but it was way better than anything that I tried before, and I think that's how I would sum it up. And, you know, some people criticize the fact that uh, they're wearing new experiences, but it's hard in in a you know in a market that is still very early. You know, we've been talking about VR for years and years, but the reality is that the attach rate and and the sales are still limited. So you don't necessarily want to come out having to teach people about all new things. Like you want to come out and teach people and show people that you can do what they know a zillion times better. And that's what it was. And I think the experiences will come. And, you know, a lot of it is no coincidence that they launched at WWDC because a lot of that value to consumers will come from the ecosystem. And similarly to, 
you know, to what they did with the iPad after the iPhone was that out of the gate, all the apps that were on the iPhone would work on the iPad. Was it great? No. Was it enough for people to get a feel for what the experience was? Absolutely. And was it enough for developers to then want to do dedicated app? 100%. And this is what is going to happen, you know, going to happen with, with Vision Pro as well. Yeah, I, I very much got that impression that, um, you know, as you say, they did that with the, uh, they did that with the iPad and um, they also, to some extent, did it with the watch where, you know, the watch launched very much with what Apple thought would, um, you know, what they thought would be a core set of um, functions, but it didn't really take off until, I don't know, the version three, where they changed direction a bit because, you know, developers were showing them what people really wanted. And so um, it evolved. And I I think that's, you know, like you say, the Vision Pro is really early doors. The whole VR, AR thing is very early doors. And where it will go is very difficult to predict right now. Um, Will it become a, you know, a big platform? I can't say. And I, I don't know even if you would want to put, a, you know, $10 down on it right now. Uh, <laughs> I can tell you it's not going to be as big as the iPhone. Oh, no. I just, no. you know, I, I think that there's always a little bit of a, you know, from the, the kind of men and women at work in the industry, there's always excitement about something new. And, and then you need to be realistic about it. it's not just the price point. The price point will come down. That's not something I'm worried about, right? And I think the reason why Apple started with the pro version versus a regular version is that the market is not ready, one. Second is, you know, you take advantage of the people that have the money to invest. And it was interesting that Apple actually started talking about enterprise before they started talking about consumer. That's not something that Apple does uh, very often, right? Um, so I think there is opportunity there to make some of the market that will allow that price point to come down and have maybe a non-pro version in maybe a year, year and a half that is going to give you a different experience. But starting from a non-pro version wouldn't have shown the real potential that you have with with the experience. And I think that's important. I don't, you know, there's a... There's accessibility issues with this kind of um, experience. I mentioned location issues. Like, even if people say, oh, you can do this on a plane. Yes, you can, but not everybody will. I certainly can't do this on a subway or, you know, while I'm on a train or whatever it is. Because you don't, from a safety perspective, you don't want to block yourself out, right? So there's a limit as to how long you can use it. And that experience, if if those 10 minutes, 20 minutes that you use it is great, that is when I'm going to sell it. But you're, it's not something that everybody will want to do. Um, no. um, but I do no. think there's a there's a big entertainment angle to this, which, um, it, you know, some of the experiences that Apple showed me in my demo were music. So I, I was in a room next to, um, I forget now, the singer. I'm a blanking on her name. Oh, well, that, that's, yeah, okay. Um, anyway. Not, not important. I yeah. was just standing next to her and her piano, um, listening to, as if I had a private concert in my living room. Uh, and then, and then it was sport, right? It was uh, uh, basketball, baseball, yep. 
that yep. made me feel like I was behind the goal or right by the net. You know, those are the kind of things that um, people will pay for. Oh, yes, very much, I think. You know, uh, you, you can effectively, if you could sit at home and pay, you know, via um, Apple Music or, or Apple TV Plus or whatever to have effectively a premium seat at a... Yep you know, any sporting event that you're interested in. There's big money in that. I mean, let's face it, that's why TV companies spend millions upon millions, you know, uh, fighting over who gets the The rights rights to F1 or NFL or Premier League soccer. It's just, there's big money in that. And um, I, I could see... Yeah, the uh, I'm with you. You know, there's a uh, initial sticker shock at three and a half thousand, but I, I can, like you, you know, there's plenty of people who have that sort of money to throw around just because they want to try something new. And like yeah. you, I wasn't surprised that they came in with a pro first because, yes, you know, in a typical Apple fashion, it allows them to introduce a. Uh, maybe a slightly lower spec version in, you know, a couple of years and call it the regular or the air or some other nomenclature. <laughs> yeah. No, they'd make a lighter weight one. They could call it the vision, you know, air, whatever. Um, whereas if you start with a normal one and then you bring out a pro, then the sticker shock is even worse. If you say, oh, well, we're selling this one for two and a half thousand and then you bring out a pro and say it's five, uh, you know, that, that seems like a worse sting than... Oh well, I can't really afford three and a half thousand, but if one comes out at half that price, then maybe you know it's um an interesting interesting move by Apple, I think. Um, I agree, and I think the the other part is you know going back to the value of it. Um, you know, if you start to think that um you have have um um you know the ability to recreate your desktop. And then you have the ability to, you know, entertain yourself through gaming or, which was interesting, they didn't really play up that hard at the event, but from entertainment, like we were discussing sport, music, what have you, uh, there's obviously content that they're going to develop through Apple TV Plus, right? So that's another, another demo I had was Avatar. Um, and so where I was fully immersed in the, in the movie as a 3D movie. And then there's also... Um, connecting with people in a different way. So a couple of, of other experiences that I had was uh, photos and videos that were 3D. And so the ability to you know, say I miss a, bis- um, a birthday party and somebody recorded a 3D video of it, I feel like I'm actually there mm. with the people. Um, that was quite powerful. And then there's obviously FaceTime in VR and and that's through uh, a persona which is basically an avatar. Yeah. Um that wasn't perfect but it was dang close to I I knew the person I was talking to so I knew exactly what they looked like. Uh and it was really close. You know, my brain was still figuring out a few things that were different. Um but it, I could recognize the person. Yeah. And uh, and I haven't done that yet with with anything else, right? So I think there's so many different values that this device will bring that justifying, obviously, this is coming as a statement from a privileged point of view that I have. Justifying the investment becomes a little bit easier. Yeah, yeah. 
definitely. I mean, I mean, even Apple, slightly unusually for them, kind of said, um, you know, put together a gaming rig and a home cinema and a quality stereo system and, you know, etc., etc. And the, the price seems a little less difficult to justify. And um, although that is unusual for them, I, I think that's what they're trying to trying to sell is that it, right. it's you know it's not just a, a vr gaming headset or it, it's not just a an entertainment device and it's not just a computing device it's a whole you know what they're hoping is it's a whole new paradigm um and I, I think there's quite a lot to be said for that i mean simply the ability to have a bunch of screens and have them up you know give yourself a bunch of 60 inch displays could be really useful in um certain circumstances and uh i found the whole thing fascinating i really did because i I was very much of the opinion that this has got to be totally wow or it's going to pancake you know what i mean if if it if it doesn't (laughs) come out of the gate making people say wow that's amazing it's going to be dead in the water and you know the overall opinion seems to be very much that it's something with a huge potential um and you know over the next few years hopefully we'll see it expand and uh where they can take it i i agree uh i i think that it will take time they're willing to make the market like i said earlier is very fascinating that they started talking about productivity and uh, and the enterprise space we need to remember that there is a lot of interest in vr from an enterprise perspective uh, there's a lot of opportunity there and yes uh, i could see that, that it would be something that the enterprise could be really interested in because obviously the ability to have uh, you know vr meetings where you don't have to fly you know all have to end up flying halfway across the united states or europe or wherever um there's a lot of cost savings in that isn't there you know you can get your team who are decentralized you know from all and they're all over the place the ability to have um vr group meetings with presentations and all the rest is uh something that i would think a lot of big companies might be interested in yeah i agree and and i mean we talked about this coming out of of covid uh, in the hope that we wouldn't be on the road as much as we were before COVID. Um, that is not necessarily proving to be the case, says the woman who's been on the road for the past eight weeks. But <laughs> yeah. um, I do think that is it's adding, right? There is a limit to how many times you can go and visit your team in China or wherever you have them. Um, this adds to it is not either or, is the two working together. And I think that that's sometimes what people get really stuck on is the, <clears throat> oh, this is never going to replace. It's not a question of replacing, it's a que- question of augmenting exactly. something that you have, right? Uh, not every, it, it, which is the same as we're talking now about doing video calls instead of just audio calls, right? We got used to that during COVID. Not everything has to be a video call, but it helps a lot when you're trying to build a relationship with somebody that is new, when there's, uh, you know, the importance of reading kind of body clues uh, as part of the language matters. And, and I think it's going to be the same in VR. Um, I, I do think that, and you know, I care a lot about inclusion. So I do think that companies need to be uh, 
interested in making a difference in making sure that from the get-go, you have an inclusive experience. And, you know, if I look at accessibility from an Apple perspective and how much focus Apple has on accessibility, um, I think that that matters. And uh, there's actually a very clever article from Stephen Aquino um, that looks at the Vision Pro from an accessibility perspective that I really encourage you guys to go find. Okay. And oh, that's good. That's interesting. Um, obviously, I know one of the things that Apple didn't really make much of during the presentation, although they, you know, said they partnered with Carl Zeiss to um, do, you know, uh, prescription lenses. So if you're like me and you, you know, you have to wear prescription uh, glasses, although they'll no doubt be a fairly high cost, as you know, <laughs> it's Carl Zeiss. But, you know, you won't have to try and wear the, the thing with your glasses on. Um, rather, you will have magnetic snapping inserts to uh, deal with whatever vision correction you need. Um, so, you know, that's that's one one thing. Uh, and I'm sure Apple have, you know, as you say, they, they focus very highly on accessibility. Um, and I'm sure we'll see more of that as, as the product, you know, builds. So uh, I, I think it's fascinating, way out of my price range at the moment. But um, as we've said on this show before, though, you know, it's it's not just a headset, is it? It's not like the sort of competitors because it, it's got it's got a full blown M2 in there plus this real time signal processor. So you know, it's absolutely stuffed to the guts with uh, yeah with technology. So I mean, it can't be a, a, a cheap thing to build. There's no doubt about that. Um, so we shall have to see yeah. where it goes. And I think that that's the other part, right? That there were people, initially the, the discussion was very much around having the iPhone doing the processing. And so having whatever, you know, headset Apple was building linked to the iPhone. And that wasn't the case. And like you say, they put an M2 into this thing. Um, you know, from a from a fit perspective, it was interesting that, I find it extremely comfortable, and when I was wearing, it wasn't you know, it wasn't heavy. It wasn't uh, something that bothered me. But when I took it off, I realized what I was wearing. Um, there's a lot of style and design uh, clues that are coming from other products that Apple has done, which is really fascinating. There's so much that reminds me of the. Um, AirPod Max, as an example, but also the watch with the dialer that is the same yeah. as the crown on the watch. You know, there's a lot of that. So clearly, this is a product that, you know, we knew Apple has been doing and working on for a long time, but but also a product that builds on the experience and the the legacy, if you like, uh, of, of products that came before it. And, you know, one of the questions I got asked a lot um, after the event was, is this James Cook legacy? And I think from a product perspective, it's certainly the first big product that is this product, right? Um, yeah. Because watch watch wasn't. and um, But I also feel that if they can pull off that move into the enterprise, um, that is really what is going to make a, a big difference from a revenue perspective adding to consumers and then i think the other one is is the services business so to your point about the price point it'll be interesting to see what they're willing to do from as they get more into financing 
um, you know, from a financing perspective with Apple Car, but also from a from a services perspective, will the services help the price point of the hardware, which is not typical for Apple? It's usually the other way around, right? You mm. buy the service and you get sorry, you buy the hardware and you get the service. So there's there's opportunity there to to make that price point more appealing, not the three and a half, but say they bring something to market that is two thousand one nine nine nine. Um, you know, that that they can play a little bit more with that. Yeah, I I think so. And and talking you I mean, you mentioned the sort of uh, style cues from other products. One thing I that struck me when they were talking about the headband was the one of the first things that that reminded me of as they showed it me was the um the kind of uh the, the one of the watch ultra straps is that you know the, oh the, yeah 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 with the like completely knitted um loop yep. it uh, uh was very reminiscent of, of that strap and probably uses the same technology to be honest so yeah that was that i did i did think that and it has you know it has a very distinctive apple style doesn't it with the you know the curved smooth front yeah the you know, the curves too. are very similar to the max uh, to the airport max it, it really feels like that if you actually put it um you know next to it you can you can see that curve the you know the um material that they used and the mesh is similar to the mesh that is on top of the max as well so yeah there's definitely a lot there yeah just hope it doesn't come with a bag that the max are coming in (laughs) (laughs) you know a little purse (laughs) yeah that was very strange very very strange indeed (laughs) that was just bizarre I have to admit, I'm, I'm sure it works lovely, but it was just, you know, it was a very odd product. It does actually work in fairness, but yes, it's still a, wee- a bit weird. <laughs> so there we go. Uh, right. I didn't really do any um, proper show notes, but I have collected a few stories I thought we could uh, just take a quick look at. Um mm-hmm. We've got um, Apple Car of a, a question of when, not if, according to one source. And this is from Tech Radar. Um, mm. As it says here, it's been a while since we've heard of anything about the Apple Car uh, with many other Apple products jostling for attention. But according to one industry analyst, the long room and motor is still coming and might launch by the end of 2026. I still think that's um, way too soon. Um, apparently, this is from Daniel. This is Daniel Ives of Wedbush Securities. Now, when not if, I I can agree with, but twenty twenty six that seems awfully soon. Um, yeah, I agree. Um, I, I think that sometimes we forget how complex the car industry is. And yes, we've seen you know some EV brands pop out of nowhere. Um, but we also see them disappear very quickly. So, you know, the the complexities of it, um, I don't know. I still feel that Apple will be better off owning the experience in the car versus the car itself. Mm. I, I still think I could see them launching a car. I mean, my, my friend um, Gazmaz from uh, the MyMac podcast, when, when the whole thing broke uh, years and years ago, he said, I can see this launching as a service rather than as a, a product you can buy. Um, that I agree se- with that. You know, yeah. 
I agree with that. Like having a fleet of cars that you can hire or whatever. Yeah, you know, very much in, um, particularly in large metropolitan areas, the idea that they could be, you know, take the kind of, um, well, those scooters that appear to be everywhere. Um, yeah. Uh, was it Lime or Bird or something? Or maybe Lime, they, yeah, bo- both of them, yep. Both of those, yeah, where, you know, you, you basically, like getting an Uber, you would just summon a car and one will you know, come to you and then you, you know, give it your Apple Pay details and... Exactly right. Off, yeah. you, off you go. And I, I personally, I, I've always thought that that would be, that would make more sense to Apple. I'm not saying they wouldn't have, you know, they wouldn't sell some, but they'd probably be shockingly expensive because Apple stuff's always shockingly expensive. That doesn't mean they wouldn't, uh, you know, quite happily have big celebs driving around in them. I also don't think it's going to be likely to be a particularly large car. Um, yeah. I could see it being more of a... Um, I could imagine Apple describing it as a personal travel pod or uh, something Yeah, it's like a cross that. between Airbnb and uh, an Uber, right, for, yeah. for business. Yeah. Y- yeah, you know, um, so... That was just a little. Uh, that was just a little one. Um, and then we've got. Um, oh yeah, Apple Watch's key milestone. Apple executives on the genius of Watch OS ten. Now this is on Forbes. Who um, I have to admit, I'm Forbes is a strange publication, and it seems to be just like a fire hose of stuff. Um, often they'll have one article saying, you know, Apple's Apple Watch is doomed, followed by another one. <laughs> <laughs> saying the exact opposite, but there you go. Um, and this one, um, I, I will put it in the uh, in the show notes when I actually write them up. Um, the next Apple Watch and plenty of current models will upgrade to a new software this fall. Uh, we speak, spoke to Kevin Lynch, the Vice President of Technology, and uh, Deirdre Coldbeck, uh, Director of Apple Watch Product Marketing. Um, and then there's quite a long interview about uh you know watch os 10 and some of the things that they've uh they're implementing i'm looking forward to watch os 10 i mean obviously i watched the wwdc it seems like they're having a bit of a rethink about how you interact with the watch i did feel they were making going back to making more use of the digital crown because over the last few os iterations to my mind, the the use of the crown seems to have fallen back a bit compared to originally. I don't I don't know. How do you feel about that? Yeah, it is interesting. The rumors leading up to it were talking about a big redesign of the UI and uh, also on the hardware when the hardware comes in the fall. Um, I agree with you. I think that that there's a you know the screen is still small. Um, And so trying to find different ways to navigate is important. Um, It didn't strike me as as much of a rethink as some people were hinting, but there's definitely lots of interesting tidbits that are going to make the experience uh, or, if you like, the interaction more streamlined, which um, I'm kind of looking forward to to try on uh, on the beta in probably a month or so. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, the public betas, I think, are launching, well, they're launching allegedly this month, so quite likely in a yeah. week or so. Um, yeah, it's usually July, yep. 
Yeah, um, and that's I think that's never brave enough to do the developer beta. I don't know. Oh about you, no, but I... no, no. <laughs> we were talking. We were talking about that um, last week because obviously Apple have um, sort of almost without announcing it, they started um, offering the developer betas to pretty much everybody who's on the beta program. Um, and there was a lot of talk about you know there'd been some kind of slip up at Apple, but then they basically said well no now you can get a free developer account if you want um and if you're on the beta program if you want to use the developer betas you can but as i said last week on this show don't do it don't do it people no depends what you want out of it right for me you know oftentimes the device are devices that i use for work and so if something goes wrong with them i do have a setback yeah, exactly. So uh, I, you know, I'm, I, I don't want that. But if you are um, an enthusiast and and don't depend on the device, there's, I know there are people that, for instance, with things like iPad, they, they use an older version to run the beta, so that is not their main device. So if something goes wrong, there, you know, there's nothing lost. Yeah, well, that's very much the way. But um, you know, I'm of the opinion they're developer betas for a reason, and that's because they're probably way buggier and, uh, you know, much less finished. By the time you get to a public beta, they're usually pretty solid. There's still yeah. bugs in them. Of course there's bugs in them, and things change all the time. I mean, the um, the whole Safari debacle, I don't know, a couple of generations ago was, was proof of that, where they redesigned, you know, the... Um, the UI of Safari on the iPhone, and um, yeah, <laughs> it wasn't good. Yeah. It was not good. It really wasn't. I mean, by the time they got to the end of the betas, yeah, it was it was good. Um, and some of the things, but they did some rollbacks on that, didn't they? Like, for example, moving the um, uh, mo- moving the URL bar to the to the bottom of the phone. Oh yeah, to the bottom. Yeah, which actually, you know, to me made perfect sense. Um, but by the end, they added a switch, which is, uh, no, I'd like mine back at the top, please. Yeah. Your muscle memory is such a hard thing to battle, you know, against. It's like, yeah, I agree with you. It makes so much more sense at the bottom. Uh, but then we've been so used to have it at the top that <laughs> getting us uh, to change what we expect is is hard. I mean, this is, yeah. This is the hardest thing when you're you're changing a behavior from a consumer perspective. Well, definitely. I mean, if you want to talk about, um, you know, changing a behavior, um, sorry. But um, when it comes to natural scrolling on the Mac, uh, no, sorry. No, thank you. <laughs> I, can't, I can't be doing with it. I'm sorry. You know, I spent 35 years working computers and the way to scroll down is you do that. Don't turn it around the other way. That's terrible. <laughs> I think I'm sure for lots of people, if you, you know, if you're young enough or um, prepared to make the change after a while, it's probably makes perfect sense. But to me, it's, you know, I just can't get on with it. I'm constantly trying to scroll in the wrong direction. So I, no I think f- we're just aging ourselves because my <laughs> yeah. kid thinks I'm a monster because I do it that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. You know, sorry, but I've had 30 years of doing it that way. I'm not changing now. <laughs> oh dear. Uh but um yeah, I'm looking forward to doing the watch um betas. I think there's um some good like you said, not not maybe as much as a, a of a refocusing as some of the um rumour mill would have had us believe, but enough I think that they've 
definitely thought long and hard about how they can make, you know, little improvements. And often, of course, a lot, a bunch of small improvements can often add up to it feeling like a whole new experience. So absolutely. Um, and obviously, we've mentioned Apple becomes uh, the first public company to make three trillion. And um, uh, I've got one here from um, Mac Rumors, which is less for us to discuss and more really just to. Uh, tell the listeners about all the safety features in the latest iphone update uh, mac rumors um sensitive content warnings which is basically the um the thing they rolled out for child safety where uh you know the ml will detect if a uh, an incoming uh photo appears to show a lot of nudity or other sensitive content and it will blur it and say, this is sensitive content. Are you sure you want to watch it? Um, which is good. I think that's a good thing to have. Um, there's the messages check-in. I think this is really nice. I really like this one. Um, the check-in feature where it says, you know, let your friend know you've arrived. Um, yes. That's, that's, as I've said, you know, the number of times I've left somebody and they've said, give me a call when you get back so I know you've got back safe. And All the time. And yeah, you say, absolutely. yeah, 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 get back and it's late and you're tired and you forget. And so this this is great. And the thing that, you know, say you stop off to pick up some shopping or whatever and that makes you later, it will, you know, you've got the, you appear to have stopped, tell your friend that, you, you know, why your ETA okay. is delayed. Um for what was smart as well is that is able to um, know your um, your coverage, your cellular coverage, and the uh, the battery left in your device. So mm. that's information that you share as well. So that you know, if if it shows that you have no coverage, then people realize that you can't. You know, they can't get hold of you. Or if there is a concern, they also know how much battery you got left on the phone. I think that's very clever. Yes, it is. And I'm assuming that builds off the, um, you know, off the Find My technology. Because, you know, if you if you use Find My to, like, where have I put my laptop? It will tell you how much battery it's got remaining and all those sort of things. There's uh, apparently critical medication reminders are coming. Um which if you are a person who needs to take critical medication is no doubt useful. Um, and apparently offline maps are coming. Um, maps app will now work offline in iOS 17, providing access to turn-by-turn -turn directions and information for the area you're in, even if you do not have a cellular or Wi-Fi connection, which is nice, very clever. And uh, there we go. So that was that one. And... Um, Apparently, an Apple partner has hinted, hinted at potential satellite internet features for the iPhone. Um, apparently, um, after the uh, iPhone 14, obviously with the emergency SOS satellite feature, um, what have we got here? A new filing spotted by PC Mag. Global Star is pushing back on T-Mobile's claims that today's consumer devices don't support satellite connectivity with mobile um what's it called it's m m s s i don't know what it's mobile something it'll tell me in a minute anyway um by using m s s it will be able to improve its implementation of satellite technology in the future um so uh they're taking this as a hint that there may be more satellite internet features for iphone coming in the future um 
based on an FCC filing by Global Star. Doesn't seem um, unbelievable, I'll be honest. Um, no, I mean, obviously, what they launched last year, we know it was the first go around and they will continue to implement, um, you know, different, better. It'd be interesting to see as they start thinking about rolling it out to more countries and also figuring out what they're going to charge for it after you know, the first year or whatever it is that they give in for free uh, is going to be up. I have to admit, you know, I don't, <laughs> the only time I see it and this is going to get me in trouble because I'm naughty and sometime I turn on a cellular connection before I land on a plane. <laughs> That's pretty much the only time I see it as a feature um, yeah. because otherwise I'm, I'm in a pretty urban yeah. you know, area. I, I uh, so I don't, I don't see it. No, I, I don't. I don't think you know most average users are ever really. And you know, I mean, fine if you live in Alaska or the wilds of Colorado or, right, you know, out in the wild West Highlands of Scotland, <clears throat> maybe. But for the rest of us, not really very. You know, not a desperately needed feature. But it's it. You know, again, a good thing to have, and I, I can see it expanding over time. There's no reason it would for sure. Um, and of course, to, to even implement it in the first place, they had to do you know a whole load of work, didn't they? Where all this stuff is compressed, so as it can be sent to the satellite in a you know usable time period. Um, that was yep. clever, very clever. Somebody very smart thought that up. Um, <laughs> Cult of Mac have a list of um, iOS uh, and iPad OS 17 features which will not be available at initial launch. Um, no real supplies there. And, uh, you know, Apple often roll out features that don't come at the very first um, launch of, you know, a new OS. Um, apparently, airdrop file transfers over the Internet will not be in the initial launch, nor will the journal app, which actually does surprise me because they made a big push on that. Um, collaborative playlists. Uh, and then it says here, try out the betas today if you dare. Uh, I don't recommend that. Wait, <laughs> wait for the public betas, and even then, maybe not the first ones. Um, apparently, the Invasion show is returning for a second season in August. Um, that was one that Apple had a really big push on, and I watched it, and I have to say, I was very disappointed with it. Um, of you know, Apple's shows are usually very, very good, but I found that to be too slow burning and not really going anywhere overall did you watch that one at all i did not i just want apple to do either a spin-off of ted lasso or saying you know sorry we were kidding we have season four coming because <laughs> i can't give up ted lasso quite yet so. not ready to give up ted lasso no i do like nope. ted lasso um and they do make some really really good stuff i mean i thought foundation was excellent and yes. um Shrinking is also very funny. Yes. If we have, you know, if you haven't watched Shrinking, it's worth it. I, I have watched some of Shrinking. I can't say it's my favourite show. I, I did. I loved Foundation. Um, that's coming for season two soon, I believe. And Silo, oh. Silo, which has just become an amazing oh. phenomenon. You know, shot to the top of the streaming charts, and not just for Apple, but everywhere apparently. Um, hmm. So. Um, Apple have started charging more for iCloud storage in the UK. Um, it's gone up by about 25%. But 
It was like 79p or something. It's gone up to 99p for the basic charge. Um, No doubt uh, driven by uh, global financial changes. I have no doubt. Um, (laughs) Wow. You know, um, although I do think it's time time, uh, Apple upped your iCloud storage, you know, five gig for free is, um, let's just say that's taking the mick a bit, if you want my honest opinion. and we have a piece from Laptop Mag about uh, Apple's encrypted messaging in danger in the UK, which is an article about our lovely government and their stupidity about we should have <laughs> encryption that we can decrypt. Uh, decrypt, no. of course. So does everybody else who's going to try and get your data? Yeah. 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 Right. Yes. Thank you very much, government, you idiots. Get somebody who actually understands cryptography to explain it to you in words a very small child can understand. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the problem with everything, right? Is, you know, that, that from a technology perspective, unfortunately, and it, you know, I'm, I'm kind of generalizing a bit, but we have probably as bad or if not worse here in the US with, with the government trying to figure out, um, not just around crypto and data, but now AI and I, yeah. I think they should put it as a requirement that from a politician perspective, you need to have some kind of technological knowledge um, to be able to to become a representative. But then I would, you know, I would like them to also have some knowledge of woman body and uh, um, oh, rights yeah. and uh, all, all of that but all of that yeah yeah well, you know a bit like groucho marx and i wouldn't join any club that would have me as a member um, <laughs> it's a bit like you know anybody who seeks to be in government is probably unfit to do so um yeah um, and the eu uh, apparently are going to mandate that moving data from icloud may made to may need to be made easier um and this doesn't only apply to apple of course this applies to everybody much as the same uh, applies to the one above about um you know about encryption all of the encrypted data services are up in arms at the idiocy of it all um it, it, it goes back to the same old thing there was well but think of the children the terrorists the drug dealers yeah they've got plenty of other ways of catching them thank you very much leave our encrypted messages alone anyway um apparently uh, the eu are going to uh, mandate that it is easier to move your data from one service to another um there we go i don't know much about that one i'd have to consult further with the uh, people who know more about that about how uh, non-trivial that sort of thing might be um there you go so that was that was the story so um no i don't want to do a software update thank you really <laughs> now we should do right now right now this is where we need ai this is where we need ai come on come on leave me alone yeah you know (laughs) oh there's a software update do you want to install it right this second no not really at least you get the option to say no but uh you know please tell me later dear oh dear there we are i know i know it's funny isn't it that that is little things like this that we're still battling with and we're talking about you know, AI that is able to, whatever they, they're doing, you know, writing a poem, writing your resume, whatever it is that they're capable of doing, but yet they can't figure out that I am live 
recording or whatever it is that I'm doing, I do not want the computer to shut down no. now for a software update. No, I do not want any of those things to happen. Dear, oh dear. Anyway, that's that's uh, that's pretty much it, Caro. We've gone. Um, we've done an hour. I know sometimes we go longer on this show, but uh, unless you've got anything else you want to talk about, we'll just wrap it up. Yeah, no, I think that the, the only other thing is, what is it, July, whatever it is today? So we're not very far away from the September moment. So I'm sure that the uh, the rumors are already starting. And, oh, yes. Uh, it's yeah, going to the, be exciting. The rumors are already uh, ramping up about larger Apple Watch Ultras and all sorts of other things. So uh, we'll be, uh, I try to avoid the rumors, to be honest, because they spoil it. They spoil it, don't they? I like. I don't like it when it's so close to the event that you know they're going to be ninety nine percent right. I, I, and if this is not just apples across the board, right? I think that especially for the people that work on this stuff and and kind of are are stolen that moment of of glory that mm. is finding out live events. And, and I tend not to comment on that. I don't mind two months, three months beforehand to join the conversation and share what I think, but very rarely comment like a few days leading no. up to any event. And I certainly try and avoid being asked what I think like a few hours before, because oh. chances are I'm going to look really dumb afterwards. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's like, you know, yeah. What do you think Apple are going to bring out, you know, tomorrow? I don't, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, 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 yeah. you've, got, you've got two options in that scenario, haven't you? You've got the, what we call the Vinny and the Squirrels predictions. Oh, well, I think there's going to be a new iPhone and new OSs and um, things like that, which are absolutely stating the obvious. Or yeah. you've got to go out on a limb with some wild prediction that's almost certainly going to be wrong. So, no, we don't. We tend not to do that, I must admit. But, yeah, we're it's looking forward wide. to it. And, um, obviously, you know, there'll be new iPhones, possibly um, new iPads. Who can tell? Who can tell? We'll Who go can in, tell? We will go into the uh, autumn wondering what Apple will pull out of their bag. And all the others, of course. No? Um, yeah, it would be interesting if we get a date for Vision Pro in October. Um, because that would tell us if, you know, it's early next year versus mid next year. Well, I mean, um, I listened to the, uh, you know, they had, um, various Apple execs, uh, appeared with John Gruber in his live from WWDC yeah. show. And, uh, when he, when he pushed them on what does early next year mean, they said it comes before late next year. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably, yep, that's very accurate. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I'm not telling you any more than that. So yeah. we're thinking sometime in the first half. But it would be interesting. Yes, they could They could give us a date. That would be very Usually exciting. March is when they bring a new product. Like mm. a, not a new product, but like a new line, right? iPad was March at the beginning. Yep. Uh, watch was March. So I, that's kind of what my gut feel tells me. And, and also that feels about right having started talking about it in June. I don't, you know, they're definitely not going to make us wait till XWWDC. I think that's where they want to showcase the ecosystem is healthy oh, from yeah. an app perspective. They're, they're going to want to, um, they're going to want to showcase all the fantastic things that people have um, constructed. Have built. Yeah, for and, sure. 
And of course, people are starting on that already because the SDKs went out, I think, last week. I know, um, I know for a yes. fact that Dean on the Mac and Forth show, who's a developer, he's got his SDK and he's been playing around with things in the simulator, which, as he said, is you know a bit weird trying to use a mouse and keyboard to navigate what is it, it, you know meant to be a virtual experience, but it, it it's yeah. enough, enough to get started seeing the sort of things you can do. So uh, I, I think that's going to be very interesting to watch because somebody is almost certainly going to come out with something that really, you know, um, makes a big difference and makes it, a, you know, it'll be the killer app. Everybody has to have a killer app. And um, I don't think it's necessarily Apple that will come up with a killer app for the Vision Pro. I think it'll be a third party. I agree. You know. Yep. Um, I agree. There we go. Right then. Thank you for coming on. Caro, it's been great thank to have you. Thank you for on. having me. That's no problem. Thank you for coming on again and uh, telling us about your experience with Vision Pro in particular. Uh, and lovely as always to talk to you. So, um, do you want to tell the listeners where they can find your stuff about the interwebs? Yes, absolutely. So, you can find me on uh, creativestrategies.com. Uh, that's where I tend to talk technology. And then you can also find me on the Heart of Tech where I talk about the impact of technology on society and specifically talk about sustainability and diversity and inclusion. Uh, and on Twitter, uh, TikTok and YouTube and Instagram, I am Caro underscore Milanese. Very good. And uh, yes, creativestrategies.com and Heart of Tech are both worth a look if you are not uh, familiar with them. I, uh, you know, I read it quite frequently and always enjoy it. So there you go. Um, and that yeah. is pretty much it. Uh, as regular listeners know, you can find me on uh, Twitter and on Mastodon as at Serenak, and that's S-E-R-E-N-A-K. I'm in our Slack quite a lot, along with, uh, you know, all the other regulars from this show. And uh, I think with that, until next week, we'll say goodbye. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to the Essential Apple Podcast. And I'd like to say if you enjoy the show and would like to support us, feel free to go over to the website essentialapple.com and you will find links to both Patreon and the Pinecast Tips Jar where you can make a donation towards the costs of the show. Uh, or even if you're really keen, you could set up a recurring payment. And thank you very, very much to all the people who already do support us. We really do appreciate you very much indeed. This show is, of course, part of the My Mac Podcasting Network, where you can find a variety of other shows like the My Mac Podcast with Guy and Gaz, the G-Men, Tech Fan with Tim and David, the Nintendo Club podcast, the geekiest show ever, the Three Geeky Ladies, uh, Bart Bouchotts and his wonderful Let's Talk Apple, and possibly some more that I've forgotten. So why not go over to mymac.com, take a look at the available podcasts, and take a listen. Hello and good evening. This is Gads for the MyMac podcast. And we know you have your pick of high-quality downloadable audio content and we appreciate that you choose ours. 
quite right, old bean. This is Guy, and we're here to say that the My Mac podcast is the right choice to make. Intelligent, cultured, and downloaded by only the finest and most educated people. Indeed. In fact, we restrict our delightful missives to only those best suited... <sighs> Guy, I can't go on with this. Who are we kidding? The My Mac Podcast is probably one of the most accessible shows there is. Gaz, we're trying to up our reputation here. Oh, shut it. Listen, folks, tired of tech podcasts that talk over your head and go on too long, taking themselves so seriously, you'd think they were the ones making the product? Then you should listen to the MyMac.com podcast. At least three good chuckles per segment. If my math is right, that's about ten laughs per show. Right. Because three times three is ten. Sometimes I really wonder about you, Guy. No need to wonder where to find the podcast. Just go to iTunes and search for my Mac. Subscribe and jump into the fun. You know, we're part of the Stoplight Network, and there are a lot of important people there. Well, we did say we hardly know anyone important. Though there was that time I was less than 30 feet away from the Waz, and I could have sworn we made eye contact. Most likely, he was having stomach cramps. Yeah, that would explain why he was doubled over at the time. The MyMac.com podcast. Enjoy it over a copper. Listening, and we hope to see you next time.